All right, let's take our Bibles tonight and turn to the book of Luke, chapter number 11. Luke, chapter 11, if you would, please. And uh, when you reach Luke 11, if you would uh, stand for the reading of the Scripture tonight, I would appreciate that. If you're able to, of course, if you're not able to, that's just fine. Uh, Luke, chapter 11, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says here, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, of course, this is Jesus, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, when ye pray, say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive every one that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, for the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Thank you. You can be seated. I mentioned in a Sunday school lesson uh, back in November that uh, earlier last year, um, I personally, I kind of embarked on this journey of seeking the Lord and, and his, uh, his help, particularly, in learning how to pray biblically. Now, I've been saved for a long time. I've been in church my whole life. And in a basic sense, I would say I've always kind of understood how to pray. Anyone who says that they don't know how to pray, well, it's really as simple as talking to the Lord. And, and you know, throughout my life and throughout my ministry, I've had a, a prayer life and a time uh, where I talk to the Lord and, and make my request known to Him and have fellowship with Him. But I began earlier last year really digging into the Scriptures and what the Bible has to say about the subject of prayer. Because when you start looking at the Bible through the lens of what does it say about prayer, you start to discover there is an awful lot in this book in regard to prayer and how we can communicate with the Lord and, and communicate our needs to Him. And so I began to ask the Lord, much like the disciples here did in verse number 1, 
Teach me to pray. Uh, teach me to, to really get a hold of the Lord. It's interesting that it says in verse number one again that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples asked that question. So in other words, as the disciples are watching Jesus and they're observing his prayer life, there was something that they saw that caused them to say, you know, I want to have what he has. I, I want to be able to pray like Jesus prays. And I want to have that same kind of relationship. And so then, of course, Jesus then gives them what, uh, what we would understand or maybe call the model prayer. Some have called it the Lord's Prayer. It really wasn't the Lord praying this. And, and there are several reasons that we can say clearly this wasn't Jesus' prayer. For instance, verse number 4, he says, Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. Jesus didn't have to ask for forgiveness of sins, right? Because he's sinless and perfect. So he's telling us and giving us an example of how we ought to pray. And he did the same thing over in Matthew chapter 6. But tonight I really don't want to focus on that model prayer that the Lord gave, but rather the lessons that he began to teach after he gave them an example of what to pray and how to pray. He begins to ask them questions in regard to their human and earthly relationships and how they can understand the power of prayer and, and the reason for prayer from understanding some earthly relationships. So in verse number 5, notice he says, He said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend? And, and he appeals to them from this standpoint. How many of you have a friend? And your relationship to your friend, if you... And he, he gives an illustration, an example. And basically, how can you get something that you need from a friend? And the example is this, he says, which of you shall have a friend, shall go unto him at, uh, at midnight, and say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves. So that's the request, I, I have a need for some food, lend me three loaves. Why? Because a friend of mine, verse 6, in his journey, is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. So now you, you have a need, and you go to your friend, and you present the need to your friend, and you're asking him for help. But he has a reason that at the moment it's not convenient for him to, to meet that need. And so then he says in verse number 8, I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend... <laughs> In other words, the relationship's not good enough to be confident that your friend is going to meet your need. But, yet, yet, because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. So this first lesson that he teaches them in regard to prayer is a lesson of persistence. That word importunity, it refers to being persistent in something. And what I love about it is when you, when you go and actually look at that word uh, importunity, it literally means persistence even to the point of annoyance. Now, how many of you in here have children? You laugh because you know exactly where I'm going with this. Uh, sometimes our children have, usually not needs, but often wants, things that they desire, and sometimes it's just, it, they, they are so overcome with a desire for this thing that they'll come to us over and over and over, requesting something from us, right? And we maybe put it off and say, well, you know, now's not a good time. We can talk about that another time. And, 
And, and, and yet, if it's something that they truly desire, they show a great deal of importunity, persistence, especially to the point of annoyance, <laughs> where it just gets to the point where it's like, ah, oh, I wish they'd stop asking me. And this is what Jesus is saying. Even in earthly relationships, there are times when not for the sake of friendship or relationship is a need met, but sometimes it's for the sake of simply someone's importunity. They're, they're, they're so consistent in asking that eventually you're just going to do it because they're going to drive you crazy if you don't. And what he's saying here and what he's teaching here is not that the, our Heavenly Father gets annoyed or, or, or uh, objects to us coming to uh, him with our needs. But what he's saying is this. If you look at verse number 9, he says, I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. In other words, uh, you can come to your Heavenly Father with the same spirit and attitude of persistence and the Lord actually delights in and invites us to come to him not simply one time or two times or three times in regard to our needs, but consistently and persistently we ought to come to the Lord every single day, just, just constantly asking him for our needs. In fact, hold your place here if you would in Luke chapter 11. I'm going to do the same thing. And uh, turn to Luke 18. Luke chapter number 18. And look at verse number 1. It says here, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. So in other words, he's about to tell a parable, and we're going to read it in a moment, but he, he states to us before we even read the parable that the purpose of this is to teach us that we are to be consistent and persistent in our prayer life. That we ought always to pray and not to faint. Ne never to grow weary of praying. Have you ever prayed for something to the point where you became weary of asking? Maybe there are some of you that you've had certain needs in your life, certain burdens that you've carried. I know I have in, in many cases. And it seems like it's something I've prayed for not only for days and weeks and months, but sometimes for years without seeing an answer to that, and sometimes you just kind of get weary from, from the constant prayer request. In fact, sometimes it can almost become a matter of, of, of a vain repetition. We're just saying it because we feel like we're supposed to say it, but it's not really coming from the heart anymore because inwardly and deep down we really don't believe that God's ever going to answer this. And so what he's saying is, is this, the reason that he spoke this parable was so that we would learn how to always pray and not to faint, not to grow weary in our prayer, not to grow weary in those burdens that we're bringing before the Lord. I think of those lost family members that we pray for, sometimes for many years, and we begin to wonder if it's a lost cause. You know, I, I've told people this before, my, my grandmother... My maternal grandmother, my mom's mom, prayed for my grandfather, her husband, for 60 years that he would get saved. 60 years. And just a couple of years before he died, he accepted Christ. Can you imagine praying for someone for 60 years that they'd be saved? I, I mean, I, I grew up praying for my grandpa that he would get saved. 
And there were many times that I got to a point, I thought, boy, we've been praying for him for as long as I can remember, and nothing seems to be changing. It's easy to grow weary, but the Lord says to us that we ought always to pray and not to faint, not to grow weary in that. So here's the parable. Verse number two, saying, there was in a, in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. So let's look at the setup of this for a second. You have a judge. A judge was a powerful man. A man who had in his, in his hand the, the power, the authority to do whatever he wanted to do. And then you have a widow woman. You talk about a disparity of power. In those days, a widow woman was someone who was lightly regarded. She was kind of the lowest of the low in many ways. Uh, oftentimes, widows lived in poverty. Uh, they were powerless people. I don't mean that they were despised. I just mean that they didn't have a lot of authority. They, they weren't necessarily well respected. And so here you have this kind of, this story, the setup to the story is you have a man of great power who has no regard for God or man. He's all about himself. He's all about his own power, his own control. And then you have this widow woman, someone that you would think he would have no regard for her whatsoever. But she has a desperate need. She says that, that she's pleading with him that he would avenge her of her adversary. Verse 4, And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. <laughs> what is he saying? Her importunity is starting to bother me. It's becoming a point of annoyance. So, verse number 6, And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? We need to understand that we are like that widow woman with no power, no ability, and in desperate need. All of us have things that we need to, to happen in our lives, and yet we are powerless to make those things happen. Jesus asked the question, which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? I answer that, not I. I've tried. I've, I've tried, right? You know, oh, I really wish I was taller. Doesn't work. I saw a cartoon years ago kind of poking fun at uh, the concept of evolution. There was a fish swimming in the water, and a little thought bubble popped out of his head. And in that thought bubble was a frog. He was thinking, I'm going to become a frog. So the fish jumps up on the water and onto the land and starts kind of flopping around. And pretty soon he stops flopping, and you see him kind of turn red. He's trying real hard. And as he's trying real hard, he starts to look like a frog and then back to a fish. And then he tries a little harder, and he starts to look like a frog and back to a fish. And then he just dies. <laughs> because a fish can't become a frog, right? That's the joke. All right, so you might not think it's funny. I thought it was funny. If you, you have to see it, okay? You had to be there. Here's the thing. You can't make yourself something you're not. The leopard can't change his spots. The zebra can't change his stripes. You can't affect change in your life in reality. I mean, there are things that you can control, but so many things that we have need of are totally outside of our control. We are powerless, but we have the opportunity to go before the judge of the earth, 
who has in his control, in his power, everything. He can do anything he wants to do, and he invites us to come before him. Now, the difference between the unjust judge and the God that we pray to is the unjust judge doesn't regard God or man, but the God that invites us to come and pray to him cares for us as his children. He cares for us as his sons and daughters. And if, if, if through importunity, through persistence, a widow woman can influence a godless judge who cares about no one but himself, then we need to understand, powerless as we are, we have the ability to move the hand that moves the world. That we have the ability to go before the throne of our Heavenly Father who loves us and actually make a difference because He can make a difference. Folks, I'm just saying to you tonight that on the authority of the Word of God, whatever it is that you might be praying for, that you maybe have stopped praying for because you believe that it's never going to come to pass, the Lord tells us that we ought to be persistent in our prayer life. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 17, we're told to pray without ceasing. And I understand that there is an aspect of praying without ceasing that refers to us continually being in a state of prayer and communication with the Lord, but it also refers to that idea of continually praying and not stopping, that we ought always to pray and not to faint. How often do we stop praying? Because unlike this widow woman, we're not desperate. Or could it be that sometimes we fail to find the answer? And really see the answer because God is testing our commitment to pray and to call upon Him and to recognize our need before Him. So in this, in Luke chapter 11, if you'd go back there with me, we see that the Lord here he gives this lesson on prayer. And first He gives a lesson of persistence. But then I want you to notice that He also teaches us a lesson in regard to the promise that accompanies prayer. Verse number 9 of Luke 11 says, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Here's what he's saying. If you really have a need and you want to see God do something in your life... All you have to do is ask. The Bible tells us in the book of James in chapter 4 that one of the problems and the problem that we have and the reason that we fail to see the answer to prayer is because we have not because we ask not. So often the problem is not that God isn't willing to answer. The problem is that we are too faithless to pray and ask. And he's told us here that if we would simply ask, we would receive. If we would call upon him, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. If we call, he has promised to answer. Go forward, if you would, please, to the book of John and chapter number 14. John chapter 14. And I want to show you, and this is just a small sampling of the examples that we could point to tonight, but we won't because we won't take the time to do it. But one of the the truths that is continually preached throughout Scripture to us that we would learn, that the Lord would have us to learn, is that He's promised us that He will answer our prayers. John chapter 15, verse number 7. He says here, If ye abide in me, 
and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. And then if you look down to verse number 16, he says, Here ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. Listen to this. That whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. I believe that many, if not most, Christians who would call themselves Bible believers don't believe that promise to be true. We don't claim that promise, we don't live in that promise, and yet it is every bit as much scripture as John 3.16 or Romans 10.13. We're willing to tell someone, Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Therefore, if you call upon the name of the Lord in repentance and faith, you will be saved. We're willing to say that without any stutter or stammer, aren't we? But are we willing to truly believe that when we pray according to the will of God, that He hears us and He will answer as he promised he would. Go back to the previous chapter in John chapter 14 and look at verse 13. He said, Here and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. In other words, when we, this, this is again just a very small sampling of verses that I could take you to where God has told us. The reason that we are not hearing and seeing answers to prayer is often because we're not praying. Because he's told us if we will call upon him and ask him that we can be confident that he will answer. So there's a promise associated with prayer. And then as we go back to Luke chapter 11, there's a third lesson that he teaches us. He taught us the lesson of persistence in prayer and the promise of prayer but then I want you to see that there's a lesson in God's provision through prayer. Look at verse number 11 of Luke 11. It says, If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg... Will he offer him a scorpion? Now, again, he appeals to that human-earthly relationship, but one that is different than a friend. The first one he mentioned was that of a friend. There are different degrees of friends, right? There are those friends that are just kind of buddies, maybe, or you know, people, acquaintances that we like, we get along with them, maybe a neighbor. You know, and he, that's kind of the one that comes to my mind when he says that, when he gave that first example, right? You've got a friend, you go to him at midnight, you've got a need, you're asking to borrow some bread. In today's term, that'd be like, hey, could I borrow a cup of sugar or whatever? And he's like, you know, it's not really a convenient time, but you think, that, well, it's not a very good friend, right? But then he goes to a different relationship, and that is the relationship between a father and a son. And that's a much deeper relationship than most friendships. Because those of us who have children know very well that we care deeply about our children. 
And there really is nothing that our children could ask us that we wouldn't be willing to sacrifice and give them if it was a legitimate need in their life. So if my son says to me, Dad, I want a new bike, I may or may not meet that request because it's not really a need in his life. If, he, if my son has some kind of a problem, a, a, a medical issue, and he needs a surgery, and it's going to cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars. I don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars, but you can guarantee if it's going to save his life, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that that gets accomplished because it is my son, and I love him, and I care for him. And so if he asks for food because he's hungry, I'm not going to give him a stone or a serpent or a scorpion. I'm going to provide him with food. And this is what he's saying here. If you know what it's like to love your children and care for your children, then you need to know your heavenly father. You're, you're evil. We are evil. We are sinful. We are flawed. We are naturally selfish. Yet we know how to provide good gifts and good things to our children. But if we, being evil, know how to provide for our children, how much more does our Heavenly Father know how to care for us and meet our needs? Psalm 103, the Bible tells us that as a father pitieth his children, so doth the Lord pity them that fear him. In other words, that the Lord looks down on us as his children and he loves us and cares for us and cares about our needs as much or more than we do. Sometimes our children have needs that they think are just terrible things. That they, they, you know, I look at my little, little kids and I think like the worst thing you could do to them is put them down for a nap, you know. How silly is that? Most of us in here would wish someone had put us down for a nap, right? Uh, but, but then you look at your kids and sometimes they have needs that they themselves don't even realize or understand. But they're the, those are the types of needs that keep us awake at night as we pray for them and plead for them because we, we, we care about our children. But if we, being evil, know how to care for our children, we need to understand that there's a God in heaven who's not evil. And he is righteous and he is good and he is just and he loves us so much that he was willing to give his only son to die for us. And if he cares for you that much, you can be confident. When you have a need, go to your heavenly father because he cares. He cares. He's not ignoring you. He, he's not putting it off. And it might be that you're praying for something and you're saying, well, Lord, you're just not answering. It may be that the Lord knows that that's not the best thing for you. But, but he, you need to understand and know that he cares for you and he knows how to give you good gifts. 1 Peter 5, we're told that we can cast our care upon him for he careth for us. And so tonight as we consider this, the disciples saying, Jesus, we want to learn how to pray like you pray. Here's what he's telling them. First of all, you need to understand that prayer requires persistence. Pray adamantly. Pray consistently. Don't give up. Don't faint. Don't grow weary in that. Be persistent. Remember the promise that the Lord hears and he answers. And remember his provision that as a loving heavenly father, he knows how to meet your needs. How often do we fail to pray because we don't fully understand or believe that God cares and he wants to hear. 
He invites us to call upon Him. He invites us to come before His throne. He said to His people in Jeremiah 33, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. May we, like Jesus, learn to come before the throne of God with a confidence that if I'm persistent and consistent, that He's going to hear an answer, and He's going to do so in a way that demonstrates His love and care. For me, So tonight as we look into the Word of God and, and consider these truths, I just want to encourage all of us to really ask the Lord to help us to understand these things, to grasp them and to believe them and to pray accordingly and to be able to grow in our prayer lives because we know that we're talking to the God who, who can and does hear and answer our prayers. Let's pray. Father, tonight we thank you for the promises that we find in your Word. And Lord, we confess to you that so often we turn to other things and other people when we have needs in our lives. But would you help us, Lord, to be a people who turn our eyes upward and consistently and faithfully call upon the name of the Lord, seeking help. Lord, because we know and believe that you can and do answer our prayers according to your perfect will. Lord, would you help us to grow in our prayer lives and grow to know you more and to love you more. May we be a people, Lord, who don't only pray before a meal or at the end of the day and just say a few things to you and, and go on about our lives, but may we be a people that are faithfully on our knees before the Lord and talking to our Heavenly Father. Lord, would you work in our lives and in our church to make us a praying people that we might see the hand of the Lord at work among us. Bless even in this invitation time tonight, I pray, and, and help us, Lord, to really meditate on these things and contemplate these things. Maybe make some decisions before you tonight to grow in this area of our prayer lives. If there be a need for us, Lord, to confess some things to you, that we can have those lines of communication open once again, then I pray that you would help us tonight and give us the wherewithal to do that. But Lord, would you meet with us, especially uh, in this invitation, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. With your heads bowed and eyes closed tonight, would you stand with me? And if the Lord has spoken to your heart in some way, I'd invite you either to come pray at this altar and talk to Him, or potentially to kneel right there in your seat and talk to the Lord about the needs in your life. Folks, I think all of us have some room to grow, not only in the practice of prayer, but even just in the faith and the confidence that when we pray, there's a God who hears and answers.